All right, this week on the That's What She Said with Danny podcast, we're going to keep it East Coast because we haven't done that in a while. We've talked to a lot of guys from different time zones, but this week we're going to talk to Twins outfielder Jake Cave, who I'm pretty excited to chat with. He's part of the La Bamba squad there in Minnesota that we love watching, and he's got a young daughter and a very athletic wife. So there's a lot going on here, Danny, that we're going to dive into as we've already scouted his social, his Twitter, and Instagram Uh, We've learned a lot about him, so I'm excited to chat with him and get some of his insights, not only about the upcoming season, but about what he's been doing in quarantine. I'm super stoked to talk to him about his wife. As you mentioned, she looks like she's a beast athletically, and so we have some questions about her and her strength abilities. Um, But like you said, we're going to talk about his team because the Twins are really interesting. They were really interesting last season, and then they got swept by the Yankees in the LDS. And so I feel like they did a lot in the off season and we're going to ask him about that and how the future looks in Minnesota. It looks pretty bright to me. Yeah, I agree. And I think that he's a really fun character because he knows a lot of these guys and gets to interact with them on a daily basis. And also I'm curious as to how much they're talking right now outside of the season. We'll also do our rapid fire with him and we're all watching the last dance the michael jordan documentary so if michael jordan played on his team what's one question he would ask mj i feel like that is going to be a question that he's going to be like "Ooh, that's a really good question i watched this video latroy hawkins talking about when he faced him in the minors and and he was like hey dude can i get an autograph and mj goes no And then he's like, yeah, man, I'm just kidding. But like, but obviously like MJ, what would you say to MJ? I mean, we're going to find out because Jake is about to join us right now. There we go. Hey Jake, welcome to the podcast. How's it going? Good. We were just chatting about how this is going to be an East Coast version of the podcast because we've talked to a lot of guys in the Midwest or out West and you're down in Florida, right? Yeah, I'm in Fort Myers still. And who are you quarantined with? I got my fiance and my daughter. The dream team. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're uh, a couple girls surrounding me. <laughs> and how's that going? How's all that estrogen running around? It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's cool. You know, there's a lot of energy. I mean, I have, I've been up every morning so that I, the routine, I definitely have a routine. That's for sure. All right, good. So we're going to get a little bit more into that routine. We're going to play a game called scale of one to 10. And since we have both audio and video, we're going to have you hold up one, to 10. All right, cool. Okay. First question. How often are you shaving your beard or cutting your hair? Two. I, one time we messed around with, uh, we, I had some clippers and I was like, Hey, it's going to be while I was just like, we're going to buzz it. And I threw some guards on and we went in and I buzzed it up. And then like, I've trimmed my beard up a little bit here and there, but I think in Florida, like salons, and uh barbers open this week so like i'm messaging like hey you got you know one person at a time thing i, I need something and it's starting to get like red i don't even have red hair but it's starting to get red up here i don't know how that's possible <laughs> all right scale of one to ten how do you feel about a universal dh well i'm biased i i'm cool with it i mean anybody who plays a position is offensive mindset you know for the most part so i think if you throw a throw a hitter in both leagues I've only played in the big leagues in the American League, so I've seen the DH. So, you know, I like it. I think it's cool. I think it gives more opportunities for more guys to get in the lineup and play Major League Baseball. I'm cool with it. 
And, uh, I mean, I don't want to speak for the pitchers, but I'm sure they're cool with it too, you know. If they don't have to face some of these guys every once in a while, then why not? Scale of 1 to 10, how often are you quoting movies right now? 10. <laughs> I, I'm a big movie quote person in general. So, like, you know, I, I like to drop movie quotes on people, and I appreciate a good movie quote when it's dropped on me. So, especially now, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, watching, watching just about everything. It's been a lot of MJ quotes lately. I don't say quotes, but a lot of MJ just Twitter and Instagram and, and looking at old videos of him and, and uh, getting all hyped up watching the, the last dance. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's normally a high quote. I'd say I'm normally about an eight. It's about a 10, 10 these days. What's your favorite movie to quote? I mean, honestly, there's a lot of, like, the old, like, super bads and, like, stuff like that. Stuff I can't repeat too much on this podcast, probably, or this segment. But, like, if somebody does something in the cage or somewhere and, like, I have the chance to drop, like, some some crazy old, like, um, either, like, old school or super bad or some of those great one-liners they had in, in those ones, I'm always waiting for that. What about how often are you eating fried food? Four. Are you? pretty healthy for the most part we try to but at the same time I'm skinny and I'm always trying to kind of keep some weight on so I don't shy away from the Uber Eats every here and there uh you know some Mickey D's or the Chick-fil-A or whatever I'm 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 all for that you gotta get the calories in Mickey D's and Chick-fil-A my guy oh yeah large sweet tea let's go you know he's in the south when he says that Mm -hmm. all right scale one to ten how often are you checking Twitter right now 10. Way, way too much. Uh, I, I find myself sometimes just sitting there on my phone and I'm like, why am I on Twitter again? I just went on Twitter a minute ago. And then before that minute, I went on it again. So what am I doing? I don't even have like an end game for it. I'm just scrolling. <laughs> then you get on a thread. I don't know. And I'm listening to podcasts all the time. And I'm a huge Joe Rogan fan. He's been like my right here and Joe Rogan we trust on the on the coffee mug huge Joe Rogan fan so like I listen to him and all the different guests he has on and then they got me googling stuff or one of the guests will come on and say something that he saw on Twitter so then I'm looking on Twitter for that it's bad it's way too much I mean it's entertainment but it's a 10 when I, I would prefer that to be more of a five how often are your dreams about baseball 10 I know it sounds corny, like cliche baseball player always dreaming about baseball, but I kind of did that anyways, too. I had this dream, and I don't know if this is like a bad thing, if this means that I'm like, I don't, whatever, but I had this reoccurring dream all the time that I get told I'm going to pinch hit, and they're like, hey, you're going to pinch hit? I'm like, cool. And they're like, well, you're on deck, hurry up. And I can't find my bat, helmet, batting gloves, anything. And, and like the only helmets I could grab are, are um, right-handed hitters helmets because you know in the big leagues it's the one flat thing and I and I had that reoccurring dream all the time and I and I would say it all the time and and so now I I I I think I've had it but I think um I just you know I'm always playing baseball or thinking about baseball so I think about it when I'm sleeping too it's it's a tough one it's a tough one I mean that's that's a waking up sweating one um yeah that one it's nervous and it's funny because I've heard multiple players um I, I know a catcher who I'm good friends with and that told me that uh, he, he would have a reoccurring dream that, like, he has to go in the game, but he can't find his catching gear or he can't clip his catching gear on. Like, it won't catch, and, and they have to go and get the, somebody else to catch. And, yeah, when the, when the coach is looking at you, like, saying, hey, get your ass back on the bench, it's not a good feeling to wake up to. <laughs> Thank you, really, yeah. So, 
So I'm I'm th- I'm saying ten because I really don't remember all the time, but I know I have reoccurring baseball dreams anyway. So I I mean it's got to be got to be ten. That's wild. We ask that a lot, and a lot of players don't really have either memory of their dreams or they're not always about baseball. But the fact that yours are so vivid, that's so interesting. All right, scale of one to ten, how often are you bothering your fiance? Ten. If I could, if I could go eleven, I would. It's a, it's a purpose, purposely ten, and it's fun. It's funny too because my daughter, she's almost three, and she's she's crazy right now. She's got personality. And she's, I will go in and I'll be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to annoy Sage, my fiance. And I will go up to her in the kitchen or whatever. And I'll grab her like when she's trying to like do something just to annoy her. And uh, she'll be, Jay, get off me, whatever. And whenever we do that, it's like a game now. And Sloan will see it. And she just screams at the top of her lungs and sprints over and just, and just swings on me and hits me in the leg every time. And uh, so now it's a little thing that like I try to annoy I try to annoy Sage, so then Sloan attacks me. Um, Smart girl. Or, or I, I try to annoy Sloan too. It's funny. I walk, she'll be like watching her little spirit show or something. I like try to tickle her. Daddy, she's screaming at me, and Sage is like, "You're always tormenting that girl." <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, we, our neighbors downstairs, uh, we see them every once in a while, and they were like, "Oh, they're asking us like, is our dog too loud?" Like, we don't hear him at all. And I'm like, what are y'all talking about? Like, me and my daughter are constantly screaming all day through the house, running, screaming. So annoyance level has been a 10 on purpose, but that's okay. They give it back. As they should. I like that. So we know you're a coffee guy. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, how often are you having a caffeine overload? One. I drink a lot of coffee. And during this quarantine, I've either just had my cup of coffee in the morning or I've had my cup of coffee in the morning and maybe like a cup of coffee in the afternoon when normally during the season, you know, I have that cup of coffee when I wake up, got a cup of coffee on, on the bus on my way to the field, a cup of coffee before BP, a cup of coffee before the game. And then sometimes on the bus ride back home, you know, if I don't feel like drinking a beer or something on the way back, I'm drinking a cup of coffee on the way back to the hotel. Um, it's so Is this I think- caffeinated? Yeah, I, I know it's bad. I know, you know, if any doctors see this or whatever, they're like, that's terrible. But I, yeah, I'm drinking too much coffee during the season. So this, like having one cup a day, maybe two cups a day right now is actually probably really good for me. That's great. So yeah. you're taking it down a notch. I love that. Yeah. Scale of one to 10, how often are things being broken in your apartment? Eight. Yeah, I'm going to say eight mostly by me again kind of um it's funny I'll bring that up because fiance is always yelling at me again like it's not so much my daughter like I have a tennis balls and um hold on it's funny I just came over here like I got a bunch of these like wiffle balls just so so I could just be throwing stuff around the house if I'm bored or like me and Sloan will throw them and like I have a little short bat uh, somewhere around here and like instead of just dry swinging like I'll have Sloan like play with me and like toss me these little wiffle balls and I'll be hitting them and like it's just ricocheting all over the house. Okay how often are you watching the highlights of your MLB debut home run? I'm just gonna say five. There was a day I want to say on Twitter or on Instagram or something somebody had a had posted something I might have done a podcast and they talked about uh, the home run that I hit in my, my second at bat. And then they kind of put it on Instagram 
and then it was shared over Twitter. So like it was just kind of out there for like a day. So I saw I, I watched that a lot. I mean, we hadn't had a uh, baseball so all day, you know, that was getting comments and stuff. So I would look at it. I haven't really looked at it much since then, but there was there was a day where I was looking at it quite a few quite a few times. So I'd say five. It was relevant, so that makes sense. All yeah. right, I had to, right? Mm-hmm. All right, scale of one to ten. How often are you telling terrible dad jokes? <laughs> Three. I don't. Um, I like a good dad joke, and I'll laugh at a good dad joke, but I haven't been <laughs> making that many dad jokes. Not yet. I think it's coming because some of the jokes I made, some of the jokes I make now are not really like appropriate for, for kids that understand what the joke is. So Sloan doesn't really understand when I say stuff around the house now. And like Sage is like, Jake, like, why are you saying that? I'm like, oh, she doesn't know. But it's coming up one of these days where I'm going to have to just start making corny jokes instead of the um, the office. That's what she said jokes because that's, that's usually <laughs> the go-to. But uh <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm a, they're coming. They're coming. I like it. Randy Dobnak, one of our pitchers with the twins. He's a, he's a king of some tweeting out some dad jokes. Y'all gotta go check that out because he'll, he'll tweet them out. I usually get a good little chuckle out of that. I'm into that for sure. Okay. Last one, my friend. Um, how often are you using the term launch angle? Two. I'm not a big, uh, I don't, I don't, I understand the term launch angle. I think um, and I understand it's important and I understand people who really do care about it. But for me, I'm not a big launch angle. I'm not always searching for that launch angle. Um, and by two, it means when I've been in the batting cage here during this and all that, there have been times where I maybe just I'm hitting the ball line drive and a low line drive off the tee that probably ended up being a double play. And I think in my head, I need to get the ball up a little more, mm-hmm. but that's, that's the, the extent of me thinking about launch angles. I like to think about exit velocity. Because to me, exit velocity goes hand in hand with barreling the ball up, which should be, in my opinion, the most important part of the at-bat is getting a pitch that you want to swing at and you barrel it up. And I think if you do that, there's no way that your exit velocity is not going to be at the top end of what you could produce as a player. Like Nelson Cruz, is, if he gets a ball that he wants to square up and he swings at the pitch that he wants and he squares it up, his exit velocity is going to be really high. You know, um, and if I do the same thing, my exit velocity might, might not be as high as Nelson Cruz's, but it's going to be high for me. And that's what I'm looking for. Well, this works perfectly because we want to ask you about your MLB debut home run. And since then, how your approach at the plate has changed. Yeah, it's uh, way different. Before I jumped on this, I got a call from our hitting coach and he was talking about things that, I want to be thinking about, you know, if, if we're going to start a season at some point or whatever, like what are we going to be thinking about and what are my thoughts going to be? And if there's anything different, I want to think about at the plate. And I think that last year I started to really, really recognize how to take advantage of maybe uh, different mistakes if you're guessing certain pitches, you know, and that was something like that. So that MLB um, debut home run, there was no thoughts of that at that time. Like I was, you know, get a fastball, hit it hard which is still sometimes the plan. But then I look back to my, you know, playoffs last year. So you go a year, uh, more at-bats. I'm in the playoffs, you know, facing Tommy Canely, you know, throws really hard, has a great changeup. And I, you know, I was fortunate enough to put a good swing on a changeup. And it was like those – I don't think those are the same type of – I don't think that's the same hitter there at all and only a year later. 
So then I look at like a Nelson Cruz who at the age, you know, of almost 40 did what he did last year, you know, and then I'm like, man, I know Nelson wasn't like that his rookie year. And I know he knows that, you know, he is, he is turned into this player that can think differently about certain pitches and put certain counts into a, you know, different perspective. And uh, yeah, so I think that one year from that first, first at bat in the big leagues to my last at bat in the big leagues, it's uh there's only about a year in there, but it's a different ball player. Yeah. So it sounds like you have evolved so much and it's obvious that the whole organization has evolved a ton as well. You guys are coming off a 101 win season. You guys made a ton of acquisitions in the off season. You won the Josh Donaldson sweepstakes. So Lex and I want to know how does your team stack up against the Yankees this season? If it's a shortened season. Well, obviously, I think that we, you know, we stack up against them well. Um, you know, I think – I thought we did last year. I thought we played um, – it was, you know, to win baseball games against great teams, you have to play – you have to play well. You have to, do, you have to hit on all cylinders. You have to play well as a team. You have to not swing at bad pitches. You have to not make dumb mistakes on defense. And, um, you know, we were guilty of doing, you know, those things – in the playoffs last year. But when we played the Yankees in the season, I thought we played them really well. We had that game that it was, I mean, it, it might be the best game I've ever been involved in uh, with the, we, we came out on the wrong side of it. Um, you know, that third game of the series, the Yankees in the season, we showed that we are, you know, we were competitive enough and we were good enough to play with that team. And we just didn't fire on all cylinders in the playoffs. And, but we take that same team that we got now except now you take, you know, you move Sano over to first base just so you can put in a Josh Donaldson at third. Uh, not to mention, you know, the team, we had we battled through some adversity the year before, you know, getting swept in the playoffs. And now you have a, that same core of guys coming back. We're looking for a World Series. I don't, I don't get why we wouldn't be, you know. Why, why don't you start a season with the, with the thoughts of winning a World Series? Your team aptly named La Bamba Squad has been incredible to watch at the plate. What's it like having a front row view? to watching these guys absolutely crush it at the plate. Man, it's uh it was fun. It was fun. We we just had to watch, you know, the the way the ball comes off Snow's bat, Kepler's bat, Cruz's bat, you know, Polanco's ability to hit the way he does Garver, you know, to be a catcher but then also go out and swing it like that. It was impressive, super impressive, you know, Rosie's always doing his thing. But I think it was just a testament of the the mindset that we had behind behind uh closed doors too. You know, a lot of meetings of kind of that stuff that I was just talking about that there might be guys there is there's no robots. Um, there might be guys. I know guys on the team that are very analytic and they want to look at the launch angle. They want to look at where their bat path is. They want to look at this. And then there's a lot of people that don't believe me when I tell them that Nelson Cruz, you know, puts the ball on the tee and puts it up high and hits low line drive ground balls off the tee to start the day. And they're like, no, he, you know, he drops bombs. Yeah, but he has his routine, and, and he might not always think the way that you think, and this guy might not think the way you think. And um, the organization didn't um, try to make everybody robots, and everybody went out there, and they just had the same plan. The same um, end game was to win baseball games. And, you know, if, if you know you can drive the baseball and driving the baseball wins baseball games, then that's what we did. Okay, so we kind of touched on this earlier, the, the guys that you got in the offseason. You mentioned Donaldson. There's a bunch of other guys, too. Is there one guy in particular that you are most excited about um, to play with this season? I mean, yeah, like the easy answer would be just like Donaldson, uh, you know, say that. 
it, which it is. Um, he, it's cool to be out there and, and be able to to play with them. I, I'm going to tell you what, I thought it was pretty cool um, being around Kenta Maeda. So I think it's very interesting, you know, him having the translator with him. But he, he was constantly going out of his way to try to be, uh, you know, even though he the, there was the, the language barrier there, he would walk around, um, he's with his translator, and he would go out of his way to try to say what's up and, and have a conversation with you. And he was a guy I've never met before. Um, obviously, I know of him. But for him to come into the, the clubhouse, doesn't speak much English, a new clubhouse. He's going to be going to Minneapolis, which I don't know if he's ever really, you know, spent much time there, that kind of thing. And he was happy. He seemed very happy every day. He went out of his way to try to talk to the guys. And this was just a few weeks that I was around him in spring training. So I'm, I think that'd be cool, you know, to spend a, spend a year with him in the big leagues, especially if he's pitching well and that kind of thing. And just to, to be around a guy who's uh, away from home. Um, and doing well and making the most of it. You also got to spend your rookie year with the legend Joe Maurer. What's something yeah. about Joe that not many people know that you can give us in terms of insight into what he's like, maybe as a player or off the field? Joe was awesome. There was never a question that I felt like I was being that like dumb, annoying rookie, you know, which I might've been, and I might've been a little awestruck, you know, I'm, I'm a, because I still get excited every time I get to the field because I'm a major league baseball player. You know, that's what I wanted to do since I was a little kid. So, I mean, there might have been a lot of a lot of dumb stuff I asked Joe, um, but he never he never made it seem like it. He always answered everything. He was always super, super, super kind. He, he'd have football out there, and you forget that Joe Maurer was going to be, like, the best quarter – he was the best quarterback in the country and was going to Florida State because he was supposed to be the best quarterback in the country. And there'd be a football out there every once in a while, and Joe's kind of like uh, – you know, he, he doesn't, he's not real loud. You know, he's, he's real calm, you know, low heartbeat, you'd say. And, and you'd just, like, toss him the football. Be like, Joe, throw it. He'd be like, nah, I don't want to. He'd be like, come on, Joe, throw it. Next thing you know, he's throwing a bullet at your chest. Just perfect spiral. Like, he's sneaky. And then you see uh, he'd go play basketball. He'd have the best, best shot. Um, apparently, he's a scratch golfer. Whatever. But Joe is just – I don't think everybody knows, uh, you know, if you're never, he's not a big, like, you know, uh, social media presence, like never been that guy or anything like that. But I thoroughly enjoyed my time around Joe. Um, he was very pro. I could ask him anything. He was one of the first ones to field every day. He had a routine to get loose. He knew that he was towards the end of his career and it took a lot to get his body ready every day after catching all that time and the concussions and stuff like that. He, but he, uh, so he, he went about his business super pro and um, yeah. Yeah, I always remember that, that my first year in the big leagues, I got to learn a lot from Jim Maurer. All right, Jake, that takes us to our rapid fire. We know that your fiance is an absolute rock star. She was a killer athlete back in her day, and I'm sure still is. So we want to know, who is the best athlete currently in your family, you or your wife? I mean, me. Are you she's sure gonna about see that? that? She's, she's going to get mad, but yeah, it's no, I'm just kidding. It's it's close. It's close. She's uh, I'm still saying me because I'm not gonna I'm not gonna back down on this one. But she was uh, she still is a great athlete. She was a great you know soccer player, softball player, and then when she was done with that, when she was done, she graduated college. Um, you know, she went on to play football a little bit, and uh, she was awesome. She she was she still is. You know, obviously she still stays in shape, does all that stuff, and it's impressive uh, the way she does. Um, you know. But she, uh, yeah, no, nah, she, she's, she's close. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let her know though. She'll, she'll obviously tell you otherwise, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say it. 
Well, who would win in an arm wrestling contest? Mm. <laughs> well, I'm also saying that one. You know, we're on air here. <laughs> I can't be saying I'm losing that arm in that arm wrestling contest. Um, it, but it, it'd be I'd be sweating. <laughs> All right, we'll take it. <laughs> Y'all can't get me to say it. All right, Jake. Uh, we know you have your man cave and you've got a lot of baseball memorabilia. So if you could add one piece of memorabilia that you don't currently own, what is it? I would add something from MJ. I have no kind of sign, memorabilia, picture, anything of Michael Jordan. And um, I, I've always, obviously, I've always been a big Michael Jordan. Just, um, I want to say old school, but I was always more of an old school mindset of my age. Like I liked, uh, you know, the the P. Roses, the Tony Gwens, and and that was the type of baseball I was watching. So I was Michael Jordan. If I was talking about basketball, it was more that. I'm from Hampton, Virginia. It was where Allen Iverson is. So Allen <laughs> Iverson, like I, I, you know, I kept up with him, and he was, you know, towards the back end of Jordan era, all that. So he, it's, uh, but it's. I would say I want some from Michael Jordan. I have something from Kobe. I have a signed Kobe jersey, which, you know, is super sad. You know, I got a Cal Ripken Jr. Got something with that. Um, he's my favorite player of all time. Got a Mariano uh, Rivera. He he sawed me off in a back uh, backfield scrimmage during spring training when I was in the minor leagues with the Yankees. Sawed me off with the cutter, broke my bat, and then signed it for me afterwards. So that was <laughs> badass. And wow. then uh, I have a Russell Wilson signed football from where he went to spring training when I was over there. And, uh, you know, he, he gave out some stuff. So I'm – for 27, I think I got a pretty good collection going on. You know, I got some Decent. Nelson Cruz stuff, obviously, <laughs> Joe Maurer stuff, obviously. Got him to sign a jersey for me in his final year. So that's, you know, that's big. I got, I got some good stuff. But the MJ, some MJ would be uh, – some MJ would be clutch. All right. So if MJ played on your team – What's the one question that you would ask him? Um, obviously, if there were any stories that we could we could hear off camera, you know, like there's a lot of yes. stuff that happens behind scenes that might, you know, what happens in the clubhouse stays in the clubhouse type thing. And I, I'd love to ask, you know, something like that. Like, you kidding me? MJ, something. I mean, you're hearing a lot on this documentary. And you know there's stuff on this documentary that cannot be aired <laughs> to the rest of the world. I would love to be like, MJ, man, what did you, what could you not tell the last dance documentary? That that's probably probably what I'd ask. That's solid. That's a great question because we know how brutal he's been to Scott Burrell. So I'd love to see how he's <laughs> just imagine, absolutely right? destroyed. They showed I some know. of the yeah, and some of the stuff they showed, I was like, man, MJ was a hard ass at the time. But I mean, I can only imagine what some of the things off the camera were like. But like Wild. you have to give it to Burrell because what a good sport he's been, mm. just absolutely taking it and then excelling his game to oh. be able to play with Michael Jordan. Yeah, I think it also has to show one credit to MJ that you could be a professional, that you could show that you could be a leader and still get on guys so hard to the fact that they're not going to um, retaliate. Or that's just a testament to how good MJ was when you know you got a guy on your team that's as good as he is and you might want to fight him, but you know because of who they are, you can't fight him. So I think there's a, there's a, lot, of, uh, a lot of respect uh, in that in that circle when it came to behind the scenes stuff, I'm sure. Or you're Steve Kerr and you punch him in the chest and then get right? your eyes yes. right? slowing <laughs> out. Love that so hey, he's, hey, good thing he was a uh, good thing he could uh, hit a clutch shot when he needed to, or <laughs> most people aren't coming back to practice after they punch Michael Jordan. That's so Great true. point. 
Yeah. All right, Jake, MLB ranked every team's coolest player. Byron Buxton was chosen for the Twins. Why? Yeah, I can see that. I mean, Buck's a cool dude. Uh, I mean, I love Buck, man. He's my boy. He's uh, he's always swagged out. Um, you know, he comes to the field. You never know. Some days he might have the Barry Bonds uh, dangle earrings going. You know, so he might have something new Adidas on because, you know, he's Adidas out like crazy. Um, so might have some new designer shoes on or something. And then when he gets up to the plate, he's going to go out there. He's going to draw his little stuff in the dirt. He's going to have his return of the Mac walk-up song on. No, I can see that. He's a cool dude. I li- yeah, Buck, Buck's awesome. I would definitely say he's probably the coolest. All right, what about Williams Ostadio? Because that dude definitely took the baseball world by storm, I think. And then when everyone found out his nickname was La Tortuga, you're like, are you kidding me right now? So we want to know, what's his most underrated quality? Before the world got to see Ostadio, it was funny because in the minor leagues and stuff, like in AAA that year, at the beginning of the year, like he was our catcher and like he was doing stuff that was funny on the field, but like other people were getting mad at him, like from other teams and like all this stuff. And I was like, I would say honestly though, Asadio, the amount of stuff that he get like on a daily basis, there's a lot of people that say a lot of really nasty things about him. And there's a lot of people that say awesome things about him because you know, he is, he's awesome. Um, but he constantly just goes out there and you wouldn't even be able to tell, you know, he go, he's going to be La Tortuga no matter what anybody says about him. And I think that's awesome. I think that's a cool trait. Um, I think it's a useful trait, especially in our profession, to be able to let stuff just slide off your back. No, but I saw, yeah, in AAA, he was hitting homers and making faces, like not disrespectfully or anything like that, but just like saying saying stuff that was making us crack up. And then we were noticing after like the first month, we were like, hey, is that you not struck out yet? And everybody's like, yeah. And I'm like, wait, I don't understand. Is he kind of like a – slow catcher like they were like no like I, I, I guess I wasn't I was like is, is he just constantly putting the barrel on the ball and then saying something funny when he gets back in the dugout so he's cool so I'm glad to you know the rest of the world gets to see that how about the teammate that you can't wait to hug when this is all over <laughs> the teammate that I can't wait to hug oh I'm going to hug uh kind of the same way I like I'm annoying people around the house right now probably going to be Odo, Odo Rizzi, just because I like to mess with Odo a lot. So I'm probably just going to run up to Odo and just give him the biggest hug ever, ever like I missed him. And he's probably just going to say, get the hell off, man. You know, and, and then, and we're good. And then, and then we're started. Um, Jake, we end every podcast with an embarrassing story. So we have everyone tell us something either from when they were younger or something that happened recently that if they had that men in black mind eraser device, they would a hundred percent use it because it's cringeworthy and you don't want it in your mind anymore. So what's the embarrassing story that you can share with us? Well, there was this one time, a high A, um, I was in the all-star game and high in the Florida state league and it was packed. It was in Bradenton. They have, uh, the, um, the bars out in right field. And, like, Bradenton never drew fans, but for the All-Star game, it was packed. Like, uh, I had trouble – like, I had to get my mom and sister tickets, had trouble getting them tickets, all this stuff. And um, there was a ball hit to right field. At the time, I only played center field in pro ball. I didn't played right field since maybe one time in, like, travel ball in high school. But I was like, whatever, it's it's outfield. Like, I'm a center fielder. And the coach came up to me. He's like, hey, can you play right field? I was like, yeah, what? You kidding me? I played – yeah. And then the All-Star game is a center fielder. Of course I play right, coach. Like, super cocky, way too cocky. 
Adam Brett Walker, um, I remember the guy, huge guy, had a ton of power. He gets, he's late on a fastball, and he crushes a ball to right field. So, righty going oppo. Wind's kind of crazy out there. I, I run out. I go to turn. I'm like, oh, I got to find the fence. This ball's gone. I turn around. The ball's like 15 feet in. I start trying to run back in to get it, fall, fall on my face. Ball lands like a few feet in front of me. I pick it up, like throw it in from my knees. Center fielders like laughing. People in the um, the bar area are like spilling their beer laughing. Um, I want to say my fiance at the time was in the stands as just a girl that I was just started seeing with my mom and sister up there. And I, yeah, that was super embarrassing. So I want to, as a baseball one, that one was a time that I, I wish I could take back a little bit. But I guess, you know, looking back, it was funny. I just missed a fly ball. You know, you see it happen all the time. But at the time, I was like, man, that was the worst. Um, but yeah. The caveman, JK, it was awesome having you on the podcast. Thank you so much for hopping on. If you ever actually get the idea to start your own podcast, Danny, I think you would agree you would be a fantastic host because Absolutely. you were one of the more entertaining guests that we've had on the podcast this season. So we really appreciate you joining us. No, I appreciate that. Y'all uh, y'all gotta come on. Oh, thanks, dude. Man. Thank we you, appreciate Jay. it. All right, so. We'll see you. All right, later. Thanks.